Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Triangles Meditation Group, a weekly webinar that meets each week at this time. Today is April 8th, 2019. And as most of you know, the purpose of the webinar is to introduce the work of triangles to people who are new to it and to aid them in the forming of triangles and also to create a platform for those of us who are already members of triangles to come together each week and participate in a meditative visualization in support of the work of triangles and to together strengthen the planetary network. Triangles is a simple visualization technique using the power of thought and prayer to uplift and transform consciousness. The work is sim simply the establishing of a line of lighted loving communication between three people who agree to vivify that triangular link every day. Three people linked together as a triangle of light, mentally, spiritually, and in a spirit of goodwill to all humanity. Their triangle is then placed within the larger planetary network of triangles. And as the network is visualized, the great invocation is sounded in order to release and circulate spiritual energies throughout the etheric network and into the consciousness of humanity, touching all open hearts and minds that can respond to spiritual stimulation when it's released into the atmosphere. Triangles need only take a few minutes each day, and it can therefore be fit into even the busiest of schedules. And so we encourage the, those of you who might be new, who might not have a triangle, if you respond to the message of this planetary service, you can place your name in the chat box, and um, hopefully two other people on the webinar will agree to form a triangle with you. You can also go on to triangles.org and fill out a brief questionnaire, um, which will give you access to a, a portal where there are people throughout the world who are hoping to form triangles. So anybody who wants to form a triangle should be able to do so. Today, um, following our meditation, we're going to hear a presentation from Michael Galloway of our New York office. And so we look forward to hearing from Michael. But now let's begin with a brief meditative alignment, a brief visualization, and to be followed by the sounding of the mantra on the screen. Lift your consciousness and focus yourself firmly upon the mental plane. Look out over the world, seeing it as one of light with here and there points and centers of intensified light.
see the energies of this network of light pulsating to the rhythm of human aspiration. Regard yourself within the planetary network as a channel among many channels transmitting the energy of the spiritual hierarchy. Imagine the potent love energy pouring through the network of light, stimulating the many points and centers of energy, transforming the pulsation of energy into the rhythm of the planetary heartbeat. Radiance are we and power. We stand forever with our hands stretched out, linking the heavens and the earth, the inner world of meaning and the subtle world of glamour. We reach into the light and bring it down to meet the need. We reach into the silent place and bring from thence the gift of understanding. Thus with the light we work and turn the darkness into day. Michael is going to share a few words today on an important topic, the plan of love and light. As you know, that's how it's described in the Great Invocation. And he's also going to speak about the Great Invocation. And it's a, a, an apposite time to speak about this most powerful tool that we've been given, the most powerful tool to prepare human consciousness 
for the coming events, the coming externalization, which is rapidly unfolding. Um, we're part of the externalization. All those who stand on the periphery of the great ashram are part of this work of externalization. And so many are being called at this time. And one thing that's helpful to remember during the upcoming three spiritual festivals, although we had four this year, is that we're encouraged to use the invocation more widely at this time. It's suggested that we use it at sunrise, at noon, at five o'clock, and at the sunset hour, and also at the exact time of the full moon and during the five days of the full moon period. Some people might extend that to seven days of the full moon period. So it might be something we want to consider as part of our work as Triangles members to help ground the potency of the great invocation in the planetary etheric during this um, potent time. So let's now work with our meditation. Lincoln thought as a soul, as a point of love and light, with all those people throughout the world who are working with this Triangles Meditation Group. We visualize ourselves making an alignment with the highest center, the planetary head center, the center Shambhala. In the center of the will of God, I stand. Not shall deflect my will from his. I implement that will by love. I turn towards the field of service. I, the triangle divine, work out that will within the square and serve my fellow men. Using the creative imagination, link with two other points of light to create a triangle of light.
visualize the triangle in which you are working as an essential part of the Radiant Worldwide Triangles Network. Hold the consciousness immersed within the light of the group soul, the heart of love which underlies and infuses the network. Lift the consciousness to the world teacher who stands not only at the center of love within the spiritual hierarchy, but also at the heart of each triangle. Hold the group mind open and receptive to the inpouring energy of love. 
Visualize light and goodwill circulating around the triangles from point to point and flowing out through the network into the hearts and minds of men and women everywhere. Healing and transforming human consciousness and establishing right human relationships. Visualize the whole planet, alight with triangles. See new triangles being formed everywhere. Prior to sounding the great invocation, let's pause to consider the work to be done by the words that will be poured out. And let's see the network acting as a link between the world of spiritual realities and humanity, and as a means whereby light and love and divine purpose may flow into human consciousness. from the point of light within the mind of God. Let light stream forth into human minds. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts. 
May the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills. The purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power Restore the plan on earth. Thank you, everyone. And now I'll turn it over to you, Michael. All right. Thank you, Kathy. As you all know, triangles is a spiritual practice, a daily ritual in which three people join in thought and in vocation to strengthen the lines of light and love which exist between them. To understand the significance of this practice requires one to understand the group nature of this work. Each triangle exists as part of a vast network of triangles, a network of light and love that encircles the planet and enables spiritual energies to pour into the planetary life. Envisioning this network occurs naturally as one's triangles practice evolves. Gradually, the nature of this group relationship is revealed. By participating as souls and standing at the center of the light and love which pours through our being, we become integrated into the triangles network. To truly function as the soul requires mental alignment and a certain degree of selflessness. It requires a focused mind and a pure heart, for the soul is the place where the head and heart meet. Through the mind, the soul observes and perceives, discerning the lesser lights from the greater light. Through the heart, the soul establishes right relationship. It redeems and it becomes the path that others can tread. The soul sublimates all 
in service to the divine plan. It seeks to merge its will with the will of God. The soul is thus conscious in three directions. The soul is self-conscious, for it distinguishes the unreal from the real. It is group conscious, for it perceives the significance of group life. And it is God conscious, for it knows itself to be a part of the one. The soul is also known as the divine mediator, and when incarnated has been called the word made flesh. This word refers to the word of God, the creator, the one in whom we live and move and have our being. It is via this word, or excuse me, it is via his word that planetary purpose is expressed. The planetary life is composed of three centers, Shambhala, hierarchy, and humanity. It is by the interplay of these three great centers that planetary purpose unfolds, and life eventually finds its fullest measure of expression through humanity. These three centers are embodiments of the divine trinity, Father, Son, and Mother, or more specifically, you could say spirit, consciousness, and expression. Correspondences can also be drawn to the constitution of man, monad, soul, and personality. Life, quality, and appearance, as well as significance, meaning, and symbol, are also elucidating correspondences. The Great Invocation encompasses the evolving relationship of these three great centers as the evolving life works out into full divine expression. Via hierarchy, the middle principle, the sun, the threefold nature of divinity, mind, heart, and will works out within the human kingdom. The first three stanzas of the great invocation encompass the working out of divine expression in each of its three aspects. The mind of God, working out through human minds, the heart of God, working out through human hearts, and the will of God guiding the little human wills. The fourth stanza is from one perspective, a statement of the consummation of the goal embodied in the phrase, the word made flesh. Through humanity, the divine plan, which is formulated within hierarchy or the kingdom of souls, works out. The final line, let light and love and power restore the plan on earth, is a summation of the entire invocation. Humanity must play an active role in invoking these divine energies. This requires definite effort and is sure to cause conflict. The unredeemed matter in which the personality functions is inherently separative in nature. It remains resistant to the inpouring spiritual energies until such time as the soul, also known as the Christ principle, 
redeems that substance and reconstitutes it as part of the one life. It is by following the better angels of our nature that we learn to live as souls, expressing a life of invocative, redemptive goodwill. Triangles aids in this redemptive work. Through the creation of the planetary network, a channel of energetic communication is established between hierarchy and humanity. The creation of a reservoir of lighted understanding inspires practical and constructive action within the human kingdom. Through this inspiration, the ideals of right relations and goodwill are strengthened. These must become the governing ideals which condition all human activity and relationships. When the struggles of the personality life are subsumed into the life of the soul, the conflict of the lower nature is transcended. As the plan works out, matter is spiritualized, redeemed, and eventually the glory of God shines forth in full splendor. The esoteric name of humanity, the word made flesh, is fulfilled and the three centers then come into a closer alignment. The following poem by Arthur Edward Waite expresses in poetic beauty the quest of the human soul as it seeks to become the bridge between the plan and its expression. The poem is called The Morality of the Lost Word. With a measure of light and a measure of shade, the world of old by the word was made. By the shade and light was the word concealed and the word in flesh to the world revealed. Is by outward sense and its forms obscured, the spirit within is the long lost word. Besought by the world, of the soul in pain through a world of words which are void and vain. O oh, never while shadow and light are blended shall the world's word quest or its woe be ended. And never the world of its wounds made whole till the word made flesh be the word made soul. Thank you. So now we can open it up to sharing any thoughts or impressions that any of you might have or questions. Um, and you can do that by either raising your hand, by, that's by clicking on your name in the participants box, or by typing a message here in the chat box. And thank you so much, Michael. That was a very interesting talk, and I'm sure people have uh, some thoughts to share with you. Thank you, Kathy. It's an interesting concept, the word made flesh. Mm -hmm. 
I know the Tibetan relates that to the transformative process that the disciple goes through under the sign of Scorpio, you know, the symbolic sign of discipleship, mm-hmm. wherein all the tests and trials, the nine tests and trials that attack each of the three bodies are um, over, eventually overcome. I wondered if you had any other thoughts on that word made flesh. Um, I mean, I just, the, the word I know is kind of a, um, an archetype or a symbol for that second aspect of divinity for the Christ, the Christ yeah. principle. And when I think of word made flesh, it's really the, uh, you know, the soul coming into its fullest divine expression on the physical, emotional, and in concrete mental planes mm-hmm. and and it's really difficult to describe but the the phrase itself is very evocative for me personally mm-hmm. and i really sense um almost as if that um that it that experience of the of of the of the word made flesh or of the soul becoming incarnate almost really can't be um described or expressed um, through prose, and so I think that's why that the the poem is really useful, but also this phrase, "word made flesh," which is very symbolic and kind of archetypal in a way. Um, I feel also carries a certain um, type of energy that is really difficult for me to des- to describe. Um, so yeah, that I didn't really share much. Actually, I just am rambling. I think, but. Um, Thank you. It's almost something more than we can comprehend. We have to be it. I think we have to really become the soul. You know, to we can't just describe describe what that is. It's really a being or a a, a standing between. You know, standing between divinity and form, or a standing between the soul and its expression of becoming. It is the only way that we can really express it. Yeah. Looks like there's a few comments. Should I read them out, Kathy? Yeah. Um, Daniel Eastman asks, the word made flesh is the first part of a biblical phrase and dwelt among us. Could you comment on this? Hmm. The word made flesh and dwelt among us. Um, I'd be interested to know which part of the Bible that's from the, the first thing it makes me think of is, you know, long ago we're told that the hierarchy or really the kingdom of souls, those who have, you could say, achieved enlightenment or have achieved a certain amount of fusion between the soul and its and the personality, um, used to dwell among us. They used to walk um, within the human kingdom or were in, were in physical incarnation and interacted with humanity. And I'm not sure... But necessarily that's what the Bible is referring to there, but that's what it, that's the idea that it elicits for me. Um, and Camille asks, would you please share information on the nine tests or trials? Um, I can't remember specifically what they are. As Kathy said, there's three for each of the three bodies. Kathy, do you have any more information um, on that? I can't remember. I know physical comfort for the 
for the physical body. It's physical comfort, sex, and I think money. Um, those are three tests there. And then emotionally um, and mentally, I know that there's ambition. I think that's a mental test. Um, yeah, I don't remember them exactly. So, separativeness, selfishness, emotional tests. Pride is a pride is a mental test. I think separativeness. But it's in the Scorpio chapter of esoteric astrology. Mm -hmm. But each of them builds upon themselves and becomes more challenging, just like the path itself. Um, we're always going to be confronted with challenges. And when we accomplish one, another one is looming on the horizon until liberation, you know, eventual liberation. Exactly. And eventually it's a soul that has to conquer, I think. Yeah. Not the... I know it's easy to become kind of combative in the sign of Scorpio. That is my sign, actually, the, the, the sun, the sign that the sun was in when I was born. And it can be a very combative sign, but the, the triumph of Hercules in Scorpio is when he, you know, becomes, becomes humble and, you know, relinquishes everything to the soul. Um, Jan Oliveira says, o Oliveira says, thank you. Are there ideas for working with the forms of resistance we may hold? Um, not sure, Kathy, do you have any ideas working with the forms of resistance? Well, that's a, a large question. Um, I guess the number one would be to cultivate detachment and the attitude of the observer. Mm -hmm. Those are like time-honored techniques and, and holding, attempting as much as possible to hold a mental polarization and thereby work to dispel the more um, dominant astral forms which control so readily in our world today. I think also I would add, I just thought to um, faith, I think is also very important in overcoming that resistance. Of course, we don't need blind faith, but if we have a goal in mind, sometimes um, it can be very um, apparently out of reach, or sometimes we may have a certain ideal a spiritual ideal that we want to hold to. And sometimes when there's resistance, that goal no longer seems possible or it no longer seems really desirable. So I think maintaining that faith in what we know to be true, or even maybe what we just suspect to be true um, is, is instrumental. Strawberry asks um, about the Lord's Prayer and um, as well as the great invocation, and she wonders if one enhances the other. I sense, um, but it, oh, she says, I sense that it does in my experience. Um, I think definitely, I would say they both aid each other. Um, Maria Christina Donadieu says, sex, comfort, money, fear, hatred, desire for power, pride, 
meanness, cruelty. Those are the nine tests, I believe. Um, Catherine Davison says, this topic of redemption is a vital one as subconscious factors can habituate our astral tendencies. Agreed. Um, Camille says, dwelt among us, suggests to me poetically as a metaphor for divine light and love flowing within and around us. Mm, beautiful. Carla McLeod says, the scripture in the Bible is found in John 1.14. Um, this is the one Daniel Eastman mentioned earlier. Christians believe the word made flesh and dwelt among us to be Jesus, the son of God, I believe. Okay, well, that makes, that makes sense. Um, Lee O'Shell says, thank you. I have read that Scorpios can eventually transform. They are in their highest form of Phoenix that has shed its previous existence for something less tethered to its reactive nature. Um, yes, I've also heard that the Phoenix can be a symbol of the Scorpio. Um, Kathy, do you have anything else to comment on about that relationship between the Phoenix and those tests in Scorpio? Well, yeah, I just think it's a symbol of the triumph of, mm. because it's ultimately a triumphant sign. Uh, we all have to pass through Scorpio um, symbolically many times. And so mm. we might not always achieve the potential of that sign, but eventually its keynote is warrior I am and from the battle I emerged triumphant. So that seems to dovetail really well with the idea of the phoenix rising. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and those cycles too, because the, the phoenix is, uh, you know, reincarnates constantly, I guess it just burns up and then reincarnates again. So that, that cyclic, the cyclic test is kind of represented there as well. Um, David Trice says, the line of least resistance is not the law for this aspect the attractive power of spirit in form building and in the adaptation of the form to the need is the secret of the pain and resistance in the world. Pain is only caused by resistance and is a necessary phase in the process of evolution. This law of attraction is the law governing the spirit, the opposite pole of matter. That's from Treaties on Cosmic Fire, page 216. Um, thank you, David, for that quote. Um, Wayne Sturba says, I am coming to think of triangles of light and goodwill in terms of the science of emergence. See Wikipedia for a good intro. Um, it says, while light, love, and will are the aspects of deity or God, humanity in its free will, collectively and individually, can choose to cause these qualities, basic in every human, to emerge out of itself. Triangles provide the opportunity for direct participation in this emergence as an actual practice of co-measurement and coherence with hierarchy. I think you'll have to check out that Wikipedia article on the science of emergence. Um, and Marina, Maria Cristina Amaral says, the Lord's Prayer is the great invocation of the age of Pisces, as Psalm 22 was the great invocation of the age of Aries. And then the great invocation is given for the age of Aquarius. The phoenix means resurrec resurrection after ashes or death. Yes, thank you for that, Maria Cristina. 
And can Maria Christina say where we find those nine tests? I think you're referring to Maria Christina Donadue. And I believe it's in the Scorpio chapter of esoteric astrology. So if nobody posts the page number, you can always just go um, look up that book. Okay, well, thank you so much, Michael. And um, thank all of you for your participation. And we're going to end now with a moment of silence to link up with all triangles workers throughout the world. Thank you, and we look forward to working with you again soon.